table over there, um, as well as your lyrics online at civalhambra.com forward slash Sunday. You'll also find our speaker notes um, from Rick. Again, civalhambra.com forward slash Sunday. You know, the fun thing about that song was like, I never realized what that song meant. I was like, why like, why are we talking about that drummer boy in the nativity scene? Um, but I realized a couple weeks back, like, that's very symbolic of us. We know these lyrics saying, like, we have no gifts to bring, nothing worthy to give our king. 
but he accepts our praise. He accepts our noise. He accepts the ruckus that we make for him. So I encourage you as we sing these songs to lift your voices and sing, even though you have your masks on, because our Father loves to hear that. Um, so would you join us as we sing about that first Noel?
some announcements, and you guys can have a seat for now. Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us here, whether in person or online. Um, we're so glad that you guys joined us. Uh, again, like Victor said, my name is Diego Cervantes. I serve with the facilities team as well as with the youth group here at Church in the Valley. Uh, <laughs> ooh, shout out. Um, and uh, you can find the song lyrics uh, as well as the listening guide and connection card over at uh, civalhambra.com forward slash Sunday. Uh, we also have a few paper copies of those as well as kids' worksheets uh, and the sermon outline and offering envelopes over at the table to my left. Um, and you're welcome to give online or in person today uh, by dropping the offering over at the bucket over there. Uh, so if you're a first-time guest with us, uh, welcome. And uh, we have a free gift for you guys. It's called a book called um, How Good is Good Enough. Uh, and so feel free to grab one of those over at the guest resource table over there. So around this time, we have an amazing opportunity to contribute towards the Christmas offering, uh, which is a gift that we put together each year and send to ministries um, locally, regionally, and internationally. Uh, that are spreading the good news about Jesus Christ all over the world. And so it'll be starting now through the end of January, and it'll be made up of gifts that are given over and above uh, our normal tithes and offerings. And so if you'd like to contribute, uh, feel free to just uh, write Christmas offering on your gift. That way we can designate it. There's a flyer on the table and on our website that'll uh, describe the different ministries that we'll be contributing to this year. And uh, update so far is that we've raised $677.95 towards our goal of 18000 so on Sunday, December 20th, next week, uh, we'll be celebrating Christmas together, which is going to be a real special time. We'll have a, a few fun events and special things like a photo booth. And at the beginning of service, we're going to have a special time for the kids to come up and join in worship, whether um, in person or online. And so uh, it'd be, uh, because we're going to have options for both, it would be really helpful for us to know uh, who will be coming in person online. So for Kids Zone parents, uh, feel free to uh, look out for an email from Liz Chang. Uh, with more information on that and how to RSVP. Uh, and if you've been joining us online, uh, feel free to just uh, let us know on the online connection card and we'll reach out to you about uh, what's going to happen with the kids. Uh, as many of you guys know, uh, we have a lot of amazing, dedicated volunteers here. And uh, just the servant attitude of our volunteers is the heart of our church. And just, um, we just want, we're so grateful for them. And so because of that, we're going to give them the gift of just a few, uh, just a little extra time with their friends and family. Uh, and so, uh, on December 27th, we will not be having service here. So if you show up, that's great. It'll be you and Jesus in the parking lot. Have fun. Um, it'll be a real intimate time. Uh, but we will not be meeting here. Uh, but then on Sunday, January 3rd, we will be meeting back, uh, ready to go for the next year. So um, once again, we got, we're so happy that you guys have joined us. Um, we have one more song, uh, and then uh, Rick will give his message. Thanks, Diego. Stand with us as we sing another another Christmas carol.
Continue our worship with this message that we're about to hear. Speak through, Rick. Let us be changed by your word, Lord, as we submit to you. This child is baby who became a king. We ask this in the name of our King Jesus. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Good morning, CIV. It's good to be with you in person or online. Let me invite you to open, if you've got access to a New Testament on your uh, telephone uh, or uh, you brought one with you, to Matthew chapter 18. Uh, please at home, uh, look at this uh, as well. And there are sermon notes uh, presented or printed for you, so uh, I'll commend that to you as well. Uh, I do find some way to take some notes because there are a couple of things I want to share uh, that I don't think you'll want to forget. And the order of them is really important. So, you know, all things in good order. It's a, a beautiful day here in, in LA. And, you know, I don't know if these trees got the memo or not, but it's, you know, it's, we're moving past fall and they're just starting to change the leaves, uh, the colors, but the colors here are beautiful. 
and uh, it's, it's, it's nice to be reminded what the season is. Um, about, uh, gosh, decades ago, I was sitting in my office at church in Northern California, and it was about this time of year, Christmas is coming, and a friend of mine was the daughter of a Portuguese pastor. And one day we were just talking and she was complaining. She said, you know, a couple of years ago, Christmas came on a Sunday and my father was a pastor. And so he wanted to have a big service on Christmas day. And so we all complained to him. And then he reminded us, hey, it is Jesus's birthday, you know. And when she said that to me, I began to ask myself, okay, what am I going to get Jesus for Christmas this year? And, um, you know, I like what Diego reminded because uh, this uh, last night I realized what, what, what I want to give this year. But that year I thought, Lord, what would you like for Christmas? It's your birthday. I'd like to say I love you and uh, celebrate. And I had the impression that he wanted me as a gift to speak on this passage in Matthew 18, starting at verse 15. And are you sure, Lord, that's what you want? Because it's not really a Christmassy sermon. Uh, it's not really a birthday sermon. But my sense was he wanted it. And so I spoke on it. And then the next year, what do you want for your birthday? Matthew 18, 15. I preached on it three times in a row. And nobody complained. Uh, because some things you need to be reminded of because they're not that easy to apply and make a part of your life. So uh, I present this to you and, the, and under the, you know, a lot of titles, gentle admonishment, child-proofing the church, uh, because it comes in this, this passage about um, making sure this is a place where young people and new people feel welcome and are safe. Remember the story about this woman who had a beautiful little girl, and she was really fun to take into public places, the grocery store, the mall, because she was just so attractive and sweet, people would just come up and give her stuff. But one day at home, they hadn't quite childproofed everything, and so there were a few sharp edges, and she took a fall, and her face just cut across a sharp edge of the coffee table, and they rushed her to the hospital. They sewed it back up, but now she wasn't, she wasn't what she was. She had a scar, and nobody gave her. Uh, a gift or recognition, you know, at the grocery store or at the mall. She had that, that, that scar. And it just reminded me how important it is that we who are acknowledged followers of Jesus actually do that, follow Jesus, do it Jesus' way, in Jesus' order, in Jesus' timing. Otherwise, the fellowship is not childproof. It's not safe for young people it's not safe for new people so you can you know start reading up at uh, the beginning of chapter one when jesus sets that child in the midst you've got to become like a child and then when he gets to verse 15 
he talks about how to make uh, this place child safe, this fellowship. And if we would do this, I think uh, three things would happen quickly over time. Disloyalty, you know, to one another, being loyal to one another and, and the gossip it causes would stop. And the fellowship would be, you know, increasingly warm and safe. Uh, we would become a kind of corrective for weaker Christians. And then finally, and most importantly, the way those outside of Christ, the way the world knows that we really are Christians, the way the world comes to the conclusion that Jesus must have really come is when they see us loving each other in a way they would not love other people. Um, so I think that's, that, that's the main idea. So then Jesus gets going here, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. So for Christmas, Jesus wants us to be regaining our brothers and sisters. You know, it's a tough world out there. And it's easy to drift. There was a student work at Yale who always, he was a yachtsman. He always used to ask the students, are you sailing or are you drifting? And it's easy to drift. And then pretty soon you can get too near the rocks. Uh, so we need to look after one another. Now, in the original text, it may or may not have the words against you. If your brother sins, show him his fault just between you, the two of you alone. Now, a couple of elements there. Uh, normally, if somebody offends me and they know they've offended me, maybe they've intended to offend me, shouldn't they be the one that has to come to me instead of me going to them? But if we're going to imitate Jesus, we got to do what he does. And Jesus is God coming after us, even though we have gone our own way, done our own thing. He comes after us. You know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God comes after us. We don't seek him. He seeks us, even though we've, we're the ones who've gotten into trouble. We're the ones who've transgressed what he said not to do. We're the ones who are ignorant of what we should know. You know, we're the ones who miss the target because we aim low. But he comes after us. And if we're going to follow Jesus and stay close to him, that's what we will find ourselves doing. And it says, if he listens to you, you've won your brother. The point here is not to expose someone else's weaknesses or selfishness, but to win the brother back, to win the sister back, to restore the relationship. The test of, of maturity is not the ability to point out sin, but to win back people, to bring restoration. That's the test, to make and maintain lasting relationships. Uh, don't leave people in sin. Um, God's desire is that no little ones perish. The, the original word is micron. I know some of you uh, deal with that that word all the time in another context. Um, but, but little ones are always on the Lord's 
mind. The weaker ones are on his mind. And he doesn't want anyone to perish but to grow up at God's speed. And the method is by expressing loyal love through gentle admonishment. Gentle admonishment. If your brother... So we are called as followers of Jesus to lay down our lives for our Christian brothers and sisters. We're to do good, especially to those of the household of God. Um, and in doing so, we pass the world's test uh, that we are genuinely followers of Jesus. And it, it does say in some of the ancient text, shall trespass against you. And the test in scripture, it's every Christian's responsibility when another Christian stumbles. It's my responsibility, if someone stumbles, to help them get back up. If I see that and I know about that, I need to help them. No matter who it is, I need to help them. That's, that's Jesus' way. Um, how do we do that? Well, go to him. Go to him. That demonstrates genuine love. Um, it's Christ's mission, and now it's ours. Um, now, a couple of, uh, about two years ago, uh, my best friend's mother died, and he invited me to come and lead the, the uh, memorial service for her. This was back in Kentucky, and just, you know, it was, it was Mrs. Rush. I, you know, I grew up, he was my best friend, and it was Mrs. Rush, his, his mother. And so I just wanted to do something, something more. And so I started you know, doing a Google search, and I came across a book by a woman on the East Coast. Her name is Nost, K-N-O-S-T. It was called The Gentle Parent. So I got, got the book, downloaded it on my Kindle, started reading the book, and it, was, it, it made an amazing connection with me because it helped me see what God was doing in Christ. And it involves three words. Now, these are the words you don't have in your notes, so you want to write these down. You can cross them out later, but I'm just writing them down for now. The first word is connection. The second word is communication. And the third word is cooperation. So connection, communication, cooperation. Um, you know, a long time ago when my son was small, maybe five or six, uh, he got in trouble at church. You know, the children's uh, time was worshiping, and uh, he just got too excited about whatever he was doing and ended up roughing up a little girl in the program. Well, he got reported and then got reported to me. And so when we got home that night, we sat down and, you know, I asked my son, you know, tell me what happened. And so he began to share, and he, you know, he was, he was repentant. <laughs> he was sorry it happened. He was sorry I was having to talk to him about it. Uh, he was just plain sorry. And so he admitted, he, he jumped on her back for some reason and, you know, wrestled her down, and she started crying, and he got, you know, put in the quiet chair, whatever it was. And so I said, well, Matthew... What do you think should happen if somebody does that uh, to another person in, that, in, in the class? And he goes, 
well, Dad, I think he should have to stay away. Well, how long do you think he should have to stay away? He thought about it a minute. He said, two weeks. And I said, okay, then that's what we'll do. You have to stay away from the program for two weeks. And I'm telling you, tears shot out of his eyes because he loved that program so much. He loved going there so much. And now he was going to have to stay away. He also might have been crying because he designed his own punishment <laughs> uh, or something like that. But the moment that happened, I realized this is a very important principle. I listened to him first. You know, first I connected. I went to him. We're sitting on his bed. And then I listened to him. I realized communication's two ways. You know, it's not one way. You know, we as parents, we want to talk down to our kids when they've done something wrong. We want to straighten them out. We, we don't often listen. Remember this one mother... I think it was called Total Parenting Management or something in this book. And buried in there was this great story about this mother who was dying because she could not get her son to go to sleep. They tried everything. They read all the books. They tried every mechanism they could, except for one. And one night, almost in tears, the mom just said to her son, how come you don't go to sleep? And he said, well, some of my older friends told me, if I go to sleep, I'll stop breathing. And the mom thought about all of the methods she had tried to get her son to go to sleep, except to listen to him what the problem was. And she said, you're not going to stop breathing. You're going to breathe just fine all through the night. And from that night on, he went to sleep. And they didn't have to do any of that other foolishness because she listened. So connection first. Uh, making sure people know you see them, you hear them, you, you know, whatever the problem is, my relationship with you is more important than that. So let's just start with first things first. I need to connect. And I don't know any better way to explain why Christ came why he was born as a child other than to put a face on god so we could he could connect with us to see us face to face there is a, a book in the first half of the bible called the old testament called ezekiel and in the very first chapter of ezekiel this is taking place during a season when so to speak israel has been evicted from the land and they're in exile in uh, babylonia and God is inviting Ezekiel to be a spokesperson to those people who are depressed and in exile. And so God is calling him, we say that word, and you know, when God manifests himself to Ezekiel, Ezekiel is just blown away. He's knocked off his feet. He falls flat on his face. Now, for some people, that's their idea of, of, of what God is. God wants you to just fall on your face in front of him and stay there. But God says to Ezekiel, get on your feet. I want to talk to you face to face. God makes a connection. That's what God does. We are made for connection. We're made in the image of God to connect with him. So this connection thing is very 
very important. And if somebody's in trouble, they want to know whether or not the relationship is still intact. So connect. Then communicate. And remember, communication goes both ways. Now, I want to drop in here uh, something about criticism. You know, to, to be able to you know, manage and supervise parent, you're going to have to make it clear when something's been done wrong. Now, all of us have heard of this concept of uh, constructive criticism. You know, we call it constructive criticism because we intend it to be constructive, not destructive. But um, it also puts a little sugar on something that we need to do that's not fun to do. Uh, by the way, if you're a supervisor of other people, you have to be able to do this. I remember reading in this book, the first this chapter of administration, it says, the first capacity to be an administrator is the ability to inflict pain. I can't believe somebody put that in writing. But how true that is, you have to be able to talk about the tough stuff. And constructively, if you read the Bible, God will talk to you about your tough stuff. But there's another notion that's come forward from uh, educational psychology, I think out of Harvard. It's called deconstructive criticism. Deconstructive criticism. What is that? Deconstructive criticism. Well, the way it works is this. Um, one of the issues with a supervisor is their vision is super. They know everything, right? No. Now, the supervisor may think they know everything. Now, that supervisor knows everything, all right? But we don't. And so, uh, one time sitting down with a person that I was supervising who had broken a policy, had, you know, crossed the line. And I said, you know, you know why we hired you? Because you are smart and you are well-trained and you are accomplished. And the reason you and I are having this conversation is because we don't treat employees like you treated this person. We don't do that here. And you know that. It's in the personnel manual. Now, we hired you because you are incredibly smart and gifted. So you must have known that what you were doing, you'd get called on the carpet for. Yet you did it anyway. I don't know why that is. You're going to have to tell me. Please explain to me as your supervisor why you did what you did when you did it. That's deconstructive criticism. It's listening to the person so they can explain why they did what they did. Now, you still have to take the next step and hold them uh, responsible for the consequences of that, and that gets to the cooperation. With my son, we cooperated together to work out what his discipline would be so that he could learn self-control when he starts getting too excited and starts misbehaving and treating people uh, in, in a difficult way. This idea of deconstructive criticism is very helpful for me. 
because you cannot supervise, you cannot lead, you can't even really parent well unless you can have conversation with people and they can dialogue with you about what they're at. Now, in the Christian life, we use this word confession. And what we mean by that is we are, and actually the, the word means to say the same words. It means to get on the same page as God is about the way you're living, to declare that. And to declare he loves you, even though this is your condition, and ask for forgiveness, and to show the path of restoration. Uh, so all of that fits together into this context. So go to him, and it says, tell him his fault between you and him alone. You know, let's face it, gossip is delicious, okay? We all like a little gossip. But... What Jesus is saying here is stop the gossip. Stop the grudges, all those G words. Um, and go to him alone. Treat him with respect. Get in a situation where we can, you can work that out in private. It's confidential. Keep it confidential. You know, don't, don't make this a story place. Passing stories on. Tell him his fault or her fault between you and him alone. And that's really a test because I'm here to restore this and to get this straight. I can practice deconstructive criticism. Um, I remember once uh, I took a, uh, a fellow member of the church, an elder in the church, and we went to see this woman who was, uh, I'll be honest, she was sliding slowly into adultery. And as, as I was talking with her, she said, you know, in all honesty, she said, why are you doing this to me? Um, why are you confronting me? I know other, lots of other people who are dealing with issues. Why are you doing this to me? I thought that was a pretty good question. <laughs> and I thought, Lord, why am I doing this to her? <laughs> I want to be obedient to you. Um, and I knew other people who were struggling at church too. And then I knew what the answer was. The answer is because we love you more than we love those other people. Um, and you know, when you, you risk your relationship, you risk your, your emotions to go to help someone who's likely to be angry about it, to be embarrassed about it, you're doing the thing that Jesus Jesus would do. Um, if I tell others before talking to the offender, a lot of things go wrong. The book of Proverbs uh, has this really great phrase, the whisperer separates the best of friends. Whispering can separate friends. And another thing is, is I may proceed with a misunderstanding as if it's the truth. So I just need to remind myself Stop getting my exercise by jumping to conclusions. I need to go get the facts. I need to go listen. Find out what really happened. You know, go to, get, you know, listen to the horse's mouth, so to speak. If you, he shall hear you, you have gained your brother. God assumes we will want to win the brother rather than expose him. Um... I've got two brothers. Anybody here got a couple of brothers? I think my sisters could work just as well, but um, 
you know, brothers aren't always easy to get along with. <laughs> um, and some of the brothers that aren't easy to get along with don't seem to care that they're not easy to get along with. But they're still brothers. And they're still brothers. It's my brother. And I'm not letting him go. He's my brother. That's the kind of attitude I think the Lord wants us to have. You know, I've, I've told my kids, and my kids' kids, I really, really love you. And I'm not ever going to stop loving you. You could not beat me off with a stick. Now, just because I love you doesn't mean I can fix every problem you get into. But I will tell you this. I don't care what problem you get into. You will not be in that problem alone. If I'm still on this planet, I'll be there with you. You know, if, if I have visited strangers for years in, in San Quentin prison, can I stick with my own family members when they're in trouble? And I want you to know, this is how God works too. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will not let you go. I've had people tell me, I didn't think the Lord would ever do anything in my life again. But I began to realize he was wooing me back. Because he doesn't let us go. He doesn't let us go because his love won't let him let us go. He loves us. Well, okay. My, my brother or my sister has sinned against me. Um, or just sinned. Um, why don't we do what Jesus asked us to do? This is what he wants for Christmas, so to speak. Why don't we do it? Well, I, I think a quick answer is one. If I go talk to them about their sin, they might bring up my sin. So my own sin prevents it. Second, I've already told it to a bunch of other people. He may ask me or she may ask me, have you told anybody else? Well, that's awful. Number three, our pride prevents us from admitting that what that person did really hurt me. Or, um, you know, all of us are from the same nation, procrastination. <laughs> so procrastination. Doubt and unbelief. You know, Jesus, if I do this, is this going to work? Um, you know, I'm not the tallest guy here at church today, okay? You know, there's, there's a couple guys here that are really tall. Well, I went to this in college. You know, I was new at this stuff. I went to college, and I went to this this gal who was taller than I was, bigger than I was, heavier than I was. And I told her something that fits this model. And you know when people really get angry, have you noticed they get even bigger than they were before they got angry? She got so angry with me. I thought she was going to punch my lights out. Um, and she probably wanted to. Anyway, she stormed off. And I said, oh, thanks, Jesus. That really worked good. Uh, you know, I did what you said, and boom. Relationship, gone. Two years later, I got a letter back from her. And she said, you know, when you came up to me and said what you said, I knew it was the truth, but it made me so mad. But the truth, hearing the truth, really helped me to deal with my pride. And once I dealt with my pride, I had room in my life for other people. And I just want you to know that I'm, I'm walking with Jesus. I found a guy. I got married. And I just want you to know, because you confronted me, it changed my life. Now, sometimes turnarounds, 
don't happen in two minutes. It may take two years. I just need to do the right thing at the right time when he says, and leave the results to him. And if people know, I will come after them when they're in trouble and try to help them. I'll be there for them. What a difference that makes, I think, maybe in their life. Um, if we don't do this, then, you know, the sea of distrust and, and broken relationships grows up. It, it becomes like shards in our family. Uh, oh, you can't talk about that. Oh, don't do that. That person's mad. You know, it, it's almost like living in a minefield where you know where the mines are and you, you just spend all your time avoiding those. That is not God's plan. Uh, I think the Holy Spirit gets quenched. You can't drive the Holy Spirit away, but you can, can quench him. Um, and the problem becomes so complicated, how are you ever going to get unraveled? Uh, so, having said that, if you read a little further in this passage, uh, Jesus says this, uh, if he pays, you know, if, if, if he doesn't pay attention, well, take a couple more people with you so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. Well, who, who would be those two or three people? I would take the people they're most likely to listen to. Not people that are on my side, but people that are on their side, and they know they're on that side. If he pays no attention to them, then tell it to the church. You know, maybe the whole church can, can, can resolve it. But if that person won't pay attention to the church, then you've got to treat them like they're not a, they're not a body member. They're, they're not following Jesus. They're, they're not a, a part of us because they won't obey Jesus. They won't reconcile. And then he says something um, that the Greek professors love to argue over. Listen to this. I assure you, whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven. What does that mean? And, and you know, all the Greek tenses get twisted around. It's like, I, in this instance, when I'm trying to reconcile with this person and the decisions that get made and the words that get expressed, it's as if to say, whatever I said has already been said in heaven. Or whatever I say, heaven says too. He heaven's got my back. How do you read that? How do you translate that? You know, if that's true, that's a pretty powerful thing to say. Um, and the proper way to, to interpret it is to look at the next verse. <laughs> you know, the great idea for interpretation is context and check scripture. Just look for it. So in the context, look at the next verse. It's a verse we quote out of context many times, but now you know the context. Um, for wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. When we do this thing, Jesus is there with us in his presence. He makes this connection between eternity and time, and it's glorious. He's the one that makes these words, heaven's words, or heaven's words, these words. That's why that woman could write me two years later because Jesus was there and working with her. And he's so patient. He's so kind. He loves you. He'll work with you. He'll stay with you. He'll take it and keep coming back for you. So then, uh, what are we going to do? 
What are you going to give Jesus for Christmas? Could you give this to him? Um, you know, I, I guess I'd like to say, if you will practice this, and it doesn't work after two years, I'll give you your money back or something like that. I'm just saying, connection, communication, cooperation is the way God works. And if you'll work God's way, you'll experience God's glory in your life. So I need to commit myself to giving good reports about other people. We, we give instant references for people all the time. Um, and if I can't give a good reference, I need to go work it out with somebody. I need to, to, to settle that so I can give a positive reference. Commit yourselves to making this policy work in your family first. Family first. You know, if I can get it in my family, I can get it in my relationships at work. I can get my relationships in my neighborhood. Um... You know, I guess it's okay to say this. Uh, uh, I, I have a lot of divorce in my family. I have a lot of divorce. And you know, when when people get divorced, you 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 know, you they expect you to cross them out of the telephone book, and they they expect honestly they expect you to take them off the Christmas card list. Well, once I gave my life to Jesus, and I realized this is a family I can't be divorced out of. I decided I'm never crossing anybody out of my Christmas list again. <laughs> and they may throw my card right in the trash. It doesn't matter to me. You get on my Christmas list, you're going to stay there. <laughs> I just love that. That's, for me, that's Jesus' way. Um, and so I, I'm committed to people, to hanging with people, to working with people. Um, and by lovingly, even firmly, encouraging other followers of Christ to give good reports also. Did you talk to them about this? Have you gone and asked them yourself to find out what really happened? Or are you just passing on gossip or what you think happened? Are you jumping to conclusions here? You Go check it out. Find out. Go to them. I know this is not easy stuff. You know, there's two, two seats. There's the easy seats, the cheap seats, and then there's these seats. You know, for extreme disciples. Step up. Step into the glory. Enjoy Jesus' presence. Be his ambassador. Connect with people. People think you've written them off. Go prove to them you've written them in, and you're not taking them off. Because that's the Lord. He's got a book himself. You know, it's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And he writes names in there that are his people. And you don't get written out of that book. Um, if you're here and, and watching or listening and, you know, I, I, I just have my words, but somehow God has spoken to you in the songs, in the prayers, in the presence, in the faces, in these words, in the scriptures. And he's just, kind of like knocking on your door and he's whispering he's saying to you I have not written you off I want to connect and uh, he wants to hear your voice he wants to communicate 
He wants you to call him, even as he's calling you. And uh, he, he wants to work out a life with you, uh, a commitment. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for not leaving out the hard stuff, but teaching us that the hard stuff is the heart stuff. And that you will not write us off. You will not write us out. You will write us in. That love and you have the wit to win. You drew a circle and write us in. Thank you, Lord, for that. Uh, may your spirit do the work you want to do in our lives because we're listening and we're, we're praying. In Jesus' name, amen. today that God is speaking to us today. Um, I encourage us to spend some time to reflect on that, to pray over that, um, and see where God is leading you. Where is he showing you the relationship that you need to restore? Where is he showing the relationships that you have transgressed? Maybe it's even yours with him. We're going to take some time to think through that right now.
guys for joining us for church. We have one more, like, post-service song. It's pretty fun, but you guys don't have to stand or sing it. You guys can talk with one another as you listen or just look at your lyrics just to listen to it. Um, but it's a fun song. It's a celebratory song, singing about the miracle of love that is this baby born to us. So uh, Merry Christmas, and we'll see you guys. I'll see you guys in the new year. from heaven 